welcome to the Unlabeling Effect, where three distinctive women daringly dive into some taboos with the intention to normalize the uncomfortable yet vital conversations. We are ready to embark on a journey of self-discovery with comrades like you. Let's commence on this week's episode on social anxiety that we all have. Social phobia is categorized by overwhelming anxiety and excessive self-consciousness in social situations. Social anxiety disorder can be limited to only one type of situation, such as a fear of public speaking, or a person can experience symptoms when they're around other people. It could be just one person. If we turn a blind eye to this, there could be consequences, like some might stay away from work or social events just to prevent them from having contact or interact with other people. There's no one thing that causes social anxiety disorder. Genetics may play a role, or other history like bullying, abusing, or teasing, or your personality trait of being shy. We will therefore dissect and understand this little anxiety monster a little bit today together. There is a spectrum that you could fall into. In this episode, however, I would like to focus on the anxiety level that creates discomfort in you, but it is still manageable. We won't cover anxiety disorder that requires medical attention. Let's dive right in. I'm your host, Rita, and with me here today are Vivian and Melody. Hi, girls. Hello. I feel like we have the perfect combination here to discuss this topic. Because I do think that three of us are having very different level of social anxiety, which allow us to voice up for different groups of people in the community. Right. Can you guys tell me, when do you find yourself most anxious in a social event or under any specific circumstance that you could observe? I am a person that's relatively chilled in a way. Like I have high energy. Like I'm pretty hyper as a person. But in terms of um, socializing with people or including people in conversations, I'm pretty chilled about that. So sometimes I feel like I'm the least comfortable when I'm at a very formal setup. It usually would take me a bit more time to warm up because it's a lot more formal and intense instead of just you know having more casual or approachable conversations. What is the reason that you feel more uneasy? Maybe is it because that you worried about how you sound or how you behave in this formal setting, or you have an expectation how people behave in this kind of setting? To a certain extent, is that I want to respect those who prefer to be in that formal, serious、um, environment. That I don't want to cross people's line in a way. How would you keep that anxiety at bay then? Usually, it would be after some、uh, interactions with those people. Uh, if you know that those people are actually pretty approachable,、um, everyone is just、uh, maybe more serious or more、um, formal because of the external setup. And then if you know that those people are pretty chilled and pretty, you know, inclusive or they're willing to communicate, that's when I start to feel more warmed up and slide myself back into my nature.、Mm. What about Vivian? Um, I would say the categorization is a bit different. Um, it doesn't matter if it's like formal or casual, but if it's someone that, according to my standard, is superior than me, I know it's not the most healthy mindset here. So, for example, in the field, and then I have to talk to、um, the most experienced counseling psychologist, for example, with thirty years of experience, and you know, like her time is so valuable, and then she agreed to talk to me. 
versus a person that is like works at an NGO and then he or she is like similar age as me, then I tend to feel more nervous and I would put more energy on articulating my thoughts and I would, you know, like uh, be extra prepared. I could really resonate with that point. Not just superior than me in the field, but also language in daily life. You know, now that I came to Australia now, I could actually find myself more anxious when I talk to native speaker. Guess I'm worried how I sound when I speak English. Like I could see I'm relatively more uneasy to talk to them. I think it's really normal because it's not like at the end of the day, like it's not our first language. There's an image of Rita that you want to hold up, right? Mm. And then sometimes when you're thrown into those uncomfortable situations, of course, it's going to give you anxiety. But I I see anxious level as um, a signal to be better, you know? That obviously add a bit of pressure to that, but perhaps the inner self don't really know where to put yourself next to that person. Exactly. It's just someone speaks an international language better than you doesn't mean that they are more of authority or having more power in their status and you guys couldn't have a horizontal relationship. Yeah, Yeah. society is more like stemming from us. Seeing ourselves a bit smaller in front of that Mm -hmm. person. So what, what are the usual physical exhibits that you will have when you're feeling socially anxious? Do you avoid eye contact or do you lose track of your thought more often? Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. But also physically, um, I feel like my heart rate would raise a bit or I might get, mm-hmm. uh, I might get like um, blushy sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's like feeling under the spotlight, but it's yeah. interesting because for me, if I'm aware that I'm feeling not good enough or or getting a bit of, a, you know, like heart rate pumping, I force myself to look into their eyes. It's like you're very alert. It's um, It actually reminds me uh, that I really want to touch on not only superiority, but like in dating world. I know that we had certain experience in that, especially like first dates, when it's like people that you met online, uh, that you have no idea who that person is like a complete like blank sheet of paper. Those anxiety is very different. It's like that those anxieties more with a hinge of excitement. And then those symptoms are different too, you know, like you you touch your hair more and then you worry more about how you look, like uh, have you sipped up your jeans, you know, that's a very interesting um, difference, I would say. You brought up the idea of maintaining eye contact when you're anxious. That's a very intriguing one because I would avoid eye contact if I'm anxious because I don't want that person to look me in the eye and see me shaking a bit because I do stutter more when people look at me. So that's why really? when I read, yeah. So that's why when I really want to articulate something well, I look away. I look at the side or on the floor. That mm. would make my conversation flow better than looking in their eyes. That's interesting. I do feel like the eye contact behavior is quite a good one to see if someone is being anxious or not. Yeah, but I feel like if I really lock like their eyes, 
I feel like I, in a way, I'm gaining not superiority, but I'm gaining back my power. It's like I have something to say, so you better listen. You know, <laughs> like it's it's um, what I do. Like fake it till you make it. Or another saying is um, act as if you are, and you will be something like that. It's like if you appear confident, if you appear that you are important, like they will start believing that you are. There's this example, like I recently talked to um, a counseling psychologist um, for my side project from the get go, the first 10 minutes, she fired so many questions um, to me, like, what's my intention? You know, when you get the feeling that the other person is mentally calculating how much attention and time you deserve in her life, it got me on my toes, you know, like I, I'm not trying to prove my worth, but it takes time to explain what you want to do, but it's just maybe for me she gave me the feeling that she's not very patient I was I was very aware that I was anxious because I start to panic like what question I'm going to ask her next so I, I reiterated my purpose in talking to her little realignment actually set out the conversation so much better than what it was like five minutes ago you know <laughs> um and um and that was a very enlightening experience for me as well, because I didn't know that I have the power to do that. And I think it's the power to shift um, the dynamic of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's very important. And I'm really glad that you change your mindset and perspective in perceiving this incident and it empowers you instead of the other way around that it could be a negative experience that traumatize you and you mm -hmm. might be more anxious when you encounter similar situations in the future again. Because mm -hmm. one of the way that we could deassociate um, the relationship between anxiety and a specific circumstance is to see how we associate anxiety or our emotions to a past event. For example, like um, my anxiety of speaking to native speakers, maybe. I do remember one incident that kind of um, imprinted in my head. When I was studying for my master's degree, there was a video of um, basically just demonstrating how people were rioting. And there was a Korean shopkeeper in the UK was being interviewed in the video. And there was just footage playing in the classroom. And I could see a lot of native students were teasing, were laughing, and were just making faces to each other saying that what the heck he was talking about because of the strong accent. And that actually hurt me a bit. And mm. that's why it makes me very anxious when I talk to these kind of students um, further down the line uh, in that mm. year. That was the experience that I kind of hold on to to date. And that was my projection of my insecurity whenever I encounter similar situation again. I'm so glad that you touched on this because when I'm preparing for this episode, one of the first examples that came to the top of my head was established because of certain experience that I had when I was a kid. I'm sure some people would probably resonate with this. As a kid, you would want to try to blend in with yeah. um, social groups in school, for example, um, when kids were not being very nice or they were trying to exclude you from certain activities. That, in a sense, uh, represent that you're not being included because you have certain qualities that you do not fit in. 
like as a kid, that might be the initial reaction that you got instead of thinking, actually, no, they are not being nice. That's why um, we don't we don't vibe. You know, there there are two sides mm-hmm. of the story. One side is that you might think, oh, uh, maybe I don't look cool enough. Maybe I don't dress well enough. Maybe you know, there's some problem within my personality that they are not accepting me. So I think experiencing that emotions of not being liked or not being included cause some, not like trauma, but like some barriers Mm. of uh, what social settings could make you feel. Yeah, that could be one of the factors that contribute to your belief system. Mm. And hence, I find school kids are more prone to um, conform to social rules or or norms in that sense, Mm. because they want to be included. They don't want to be outcast. Exactly. I'm I'm thinking like whether your social self that you want to appear to the society is aligned with who you really are. I think when there's this misalignment here, those anxiety will pop up. Because you're trying to pretend to be someone that you're not. Like, like, how do you guys do that? How do you remove that desire for people to like you? You know, I, I know that we're pretty healthy um, on that front now, but it's like, I forgot how I did it. <laughs> well, well, to be honest, I think everyone would have to trial and error during the youth time. And mm. that, that I experienced as well, because not only you weren't being your genuine self in social setting that causes anxiety, I do feel like if you are of your genuine self, but you are not conforming to the social norm, it causes anxiety as well because you you don't feel like validated by people and you just feel like I'm just really like an outcast because I don't fit in the norm. Really? Yeah. Um, for example, yeah. when I was young, I I was a very sporty girl. I was always under the sun. I was really tanned. And also I have inborn um, curly hair, which I don't know where I got it from. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But um, I felt I felt social anxious about it, so I always tried all the methods to change them just to fit in the group, so I don't get teased because of these features of mine. But right now, I don't care. And if I straighten my hair, I straighten my hair for myself, but not to fit in people's standard of beauty. I do think you have to kind of lose yourself in that experience, and you will rebound. You would then find your boundary and be a version of yourself that you're comfortable with. Mm. And also, I think it's knowing that I was tired of how people made you feel when they excluded you. I just didn't like how people treated not me only, but even just being a witness of how certain people would treat other people that I didn't agree with their approach. Um, I think that was kind of tiring, but also, you know, just made you feel uncomfortable as a kid. You probably wouldn't have that many words in your mind of knowing, um, what your emotions were telling you, but I guess the very basic feelings or, um, how I probably got in touch with my emotions was that I didn't like it. I didn't like how people made me feel or certain situations where I felt uncomfortable, you know, and I think, um, the most straightforward or the most direct action I did was just starting to distance myself from those emotions. And by doing that would be by distancing myself from those toxic people. Having less toxins in your life would mean that you're gaining more happiness. By gaining more happiness, it's almost like a drug. You would want to be happier. You want to minimize the toxins in your life. Mm. Circling Rita, back to- but how do you do it? 
how did I grow out of it? Like the standard of beauty, like how did you remember, like what exactly did you do? Like, did you experience the same as Mel? To be honest, I just think it's growing out of that environment, maybe. While you grow up, you just part way with people that you don't have alignment in values. Thinking back, because obviously both Viv and I have known Rita for over 10 years for sure. And I remember the journey of us getting closer and closer. To be honest, I remember when we first got into like the same like social group, I think I could tell that you were still searching for who you are. Mm. By, um, the way you dressed mm. or um, I think mainly was actually a good um, observation was because I know that I'm always very sensitive with how people dress like that's why I was in fashion and stuff and I could definitely see that you were getting better at knowing what you look good in and then it's like a transformation right so you become more confident and you can see how like you become who you are like closer and closer to your inner self and also it's just Growing up, I think if you were to ask me to give advice to teenagers who are struggling right now, I don't, I don't have an answer because I were there and I couldn't get out of it at that time. And it was hilarious to see that whenever I changed from group to group, my dressing style or my way of talking and dealing with stuff change accordingly. So you were the runaway bride. I think we were all once runaway bride. There's no like certain time where there's no guarantee where you, when you'll grow out of it. I know like one of my dear friends, like she, till this day, she, she's older than me actually, but um, she still conforms to what other people want. And sometimes I would question her. I would be like, what do you want? It's like when you slowly, when you slowly um, gain an understanding of who you are, your social anxiety level actually decrease before actually i'm not this um sociable now now people say that vivian can talk to like a brick wall <laughs> you know mm. like um i was very shy as a kid i would get teased by my outlook because i was really chubby before instead of people putting focus on what i have to say they would tease my outlook and mm. that made me a very insecure person but then it's a, it's a total different story now mm. yeah oh now that you mention it I think that also contributed to my belief system, like people commenting on Outlook and how much focus people were putting when we were younger. Maybe it's because of the girls' school culture as well. Mm. Right now, when I um, when I first encounter male or female, having a very attractive look, maybe socially um, supported kind of beauty standard, I would have higher social anxiety level when I talk to them, for sure. I mm. would feel smaller. I, I do feel mm. smaller. So mm. um, I think that is something that I, I still have to work on because I have more to offer than how I look for sure. But yeah. how I get over it and have my anxiety keeping it at bay, it, it's hard. Mm. Let's do a little exercise. To disassociate a circumstance with your anxiety, there is a framework that you could follow. It's called SMART. It's actually consists of S, specific, M, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-specific. So this framework is to help you set goals. Mm -hmm. You will be able to measure your success. You have to have the skills and resources to reach that goal. Be realistic. You don't need to make a big step. You could just have a goal of a baby step right now and be time-specific. Definitely set a deadline for your achievement. Mm -hmm. So now I would 
want you girls to think of one, only one circumstance that you have higher anxiety level, and you would really want to change that. I do. Okay, <laughs> Vivian, go. So at work, we have this group、um, on Slack. It's a group where everyone is in there, like the commercial department. It's it's a great initiative for us to you know share any good news, bad news, and it's more like a chit chat instead of like work work work. And all the managers would just you know read it and never respond. So actually, there were a few times that I wanted to respond, but then I was afraid that if I did. People will think that I'm trying to, you know, befriend department heads. You know, it's it's like those、um, politics、um, stuff. And then it's it's my first time working、um, in a corporate, so I'm still like finding my own rhythm and fitting into like people and when I should be like authentically myself. And then there's another example is you know like now everyone is doing Zoom calls and、um, in Hong Kong culture, I'm not sure if. If it happens elsewhere, but nobody's turn on their video cam. Like everyone is just like audio with with like no photo with like their initials. Only the commercial director would turn on、um, the video cam. But then my usual practice, whenever I have separate meetings with my clients, I will always turn on the video call because it's it adds the human touch.、Um, when you have to、um, start difficult conversations, it's just better to see your body language and then your smile. You know, like、um, everything. It's just it's just better when it's like a group briefing, and the commercial director is the only one who turns. On the the video call, and I really want to turn on the video call, but then it would be so weird because him and I would be the only two people who turn on. So I wouldn't turn on.、Uh, so these moments, I catch myself not being a hundred percent myself. So my goals, according to Rita's framework, I need to be specific. So next time when I want to engage in a conversation, I'm just going to do it.、Um, but. And there's this specific time is that we're gonna have our all hands quarterly meeting next month. So I definitely have a lot of thoughts to share. So I'm I make a promise to myself that if I have a question, I will voice up <laughs> and I、That's、will turn、great. on my video cam. <laughs> That is a great one.、Mm-hmm. How about you, Mel? I think I'll do this in a slightly different format. My social anxiety—it's almost like、um, self-questioning. I might sometimes get a bit anxious whether I've made my team feel included enough, and that actually gives me some anxiety sometimes. I think to be specific is how can I make my team more daring to voice up?、Um, because sometimes I would feel anxious whether I'm being too not overpowered, but have I have I kind of project an image of mine that they are scared to talk、um, or speak up, and that is kind of self doubt slash anxiety、um, thoughts. Mm. So to rephrase it a bit, so I think your social anxiety level lies in the image that you might not be a good leader in the office, and that makes you、um, feel anxious sometimes to think that you haven't created a a nice environment for your employee to voice up. So、yeah. your exercise is going to be specific. How are you going to create that warmth in、mm. the? Um, I think I what I want to do,、uh, hopefully starting on Monday. I think is to、um, start off with just checking in with them a bit more. Also, how or tone of voice going to be when you check in with them? I guess be more warm or just say, "Hey, like, what's up? Are you okay?" I think I would just want to start with、uh, very simple check in points. 
mm, of yeah. just being more you. Yeah, be mindful of、uh, the formality. Maybe your tone of voice could change the dynamic a lot. Yeah, and measurable would be maybe like have a little table. I have been doing that. You know, sometimes when you are on medication, you need to make sure you,、um, if you say have to take your medication three times a day, as myself, I would sometimes forget. So I'll do like a little marker. So I'll make sure I give myself maybe two checkpoints per day, and just make sure I、uh, I've checked on my team at least twice a day. Yes. Okay. So for me. I think、um, I am surrounded by native speakers, of course. So I am not gonna run away in pantry when I when someone were talking, having a conversation there. And also, yeah, I will join at least two times of this pantry talk next week. And also, I will. You、um, guys have pantry talks. Yeah, because during lunchtime, usually people just gather there, and or when they're making a cup of tea, they will be like, "Oh,、uh, are you good? Are you alright?" Ah. Talk. Yeah. One thing that I observe is if I didn't get bits and pieces of the conversation, I sometimes fake that I got it, or try to guess、um, instead of asking. So. I will not hesitate to ask them to rephrase or just to、um, reiterate what they said.、Um, it's hard to do, like not like not being afraid that you're going to look stupid in front of people that you don't really know. But then it's not looking stupid. I mean, that mindset is the thing that I have to change, right? Because I'm not used to the accent, so I、mm. ask them to, you know. Rephrase it, or I'm not used to that slang. Then, yeah, just rephrase it and tell me again because I could bring a perspective that you might never think about, you know.、Mm-hmm. And also, I got a really good reminder、uh, from、um, a Chinese professor that taught in the U.S. for forty years, and he said he encountered students that laughed at his accent as well, or laughed at the expression that、um, local people won't use. And he would just reiterate the purpose is I am here to. Give you the knowledge that I have studied for my whole life, and I'm using your language for sure. I'm not good at it, but I am using your language to teach you the knowledge that you haven't actually obtained. So you know, be humble and listen what I have to offer. I mean, that is a really good reminder to me. That's a very powerful and humble line. I like yeah, that. That's、yeah. that's the perfect balance of being like coming out from kindness and like stating what you need. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, and I do think you learn the most and the quickest if you dare to question.、Mm. Mm, true. It's apparent that we all have different situations or circumstances that we experience different level of social anxiety. While it may seem impossible to overcome a feared social situation, you can do it by taking a one small step at a time. And I hope you find the smart framework helpful for you to achieve small steps at a time to slowly overcome the circumstance that you're really afraid of. Overcoming all social anxiety takes time and patience. It's a gradual step by step progress. As long as you are making progress and working towards your ideal self, you are gonna get there. This is the end of our episode, social anxiety that we all have. Join us again next time when we talk about what is a silly question. Thank you for tuning in, and let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Unlabeling Effect. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes, and give us a rating. Until then. Dare to feel, dare to be real.